Dropbit Gaming. Welcome to Drop Bear Gaming. This is the fantastic, illustrious episode 31 that we are proud to present you. I'm joined by the auspicious Matt Pingle. Hi. And the lovely, as always, Miss Susie. Hello. You don't have a last name. You're too cool. You've reached that level of coolness where you don't need a last name. I'm like Prince and Sure (laughs) and Madonna. Yep. So essentially my surname is Smith. Oh, okay. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's a common enough name. Yeah, go stalk me now. <laughs> <laughs> please don't. Oh, if you're no. going to, please rate us first. Rate our uh, episode. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. What have uh, What have we all been playing? It's been there's been a bit of a drought of um, super new releases. I think. Which fair... works out so fucking well for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the wallet. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my pile of fucking games. I took a photo of my games that I, uh, my backlog to send to Lucas because he said, I just, I have no time to play video games anymore. And I said, fucking look at all my games, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't really have anything to do with him struggling to find time to play games i just wanted to show off my collection absolutely but i worked it out and there's probably like forgetting continuing on with kingdoms of amalur and playing more of skyrim which i only played like two hours of if you forget about the basically 300 hours of bloody video game playing in those two games alone i think there's another like three or four hundred hours worth of games to play so I got Final Fantasy Thirteen too. Oh no! Need to play that. You're starting Final Fantasy. Well, I had Final Fantasy Thirteen, and I got up to a, a certain boss fight somewhere along the way, and it was too fucking hard for me. Because you so didn't I, put in two hundred hours of grinding before it. Yeah, exactly. So I quit, and then I got, I just got Final Fantasy Thirteen too because it was on special because that's how I roll, and I heard that it's well, I, I, I saw the demo at the EB Expo last year and um i saw a lot of the changes that have been made so i'm kind of keen to play it but i'm at the same time i don't want to fucking play it until i finish the first one Mm, you just need to grind you just need to grind to be fair i think there have been some final fantasies that haven't needed that much grinding so I don't. Oh, I don't know which ones you're fucking talking about. <laughs> I, I don't know. So I so I keep getting told. Um, I don't believe them. But then again, my definition of grinding might be a little bit different to other people's. Well, I played. I've played one, two, three, four, seven, ten, and thirteen, and they all needed grinding. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII was the first one I played. Funnily enough, and I loved it up until towards the end, the final boss fights when you just have to like grind and grind and grind to get your level up so you can beat this fucking dude, whatever his name was. <laughs> wow, all the Final Fantasy fans are just they're coming to your house right now to kill you. <laughs> it was like the, um, not like Sephiroth and those dudes, like whatever the big fucking giant super monster guys are. All right. 
that aren't, I don't think it was part of the story. It's just like to get completion of the game, you have to beat these giant bosses. I don't know. That was like fucking 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not 20 years ago. But anyway, you were saying? Oh, no. We, we were just talking There's about There's a that. drought. Yeah, yeah, there has been a bit of a drought. Um, Susie, what have you been playing? Well, uh, aside from Borderlands, (laughs) uh, which I think we've taken a bit of a break from for the time being because we've hit a bit of a stump, uh, I've actually gone back and played uh, Fallout New Vegas again, but this time playing on hardcore for the first time. So it it is almost like playing the game again um, from the beginning with different rules. So it's been quite good. I've uh, pretty much put 20 hours alone (laughs) in the last week to it. So... Yeah, it's pretty good. It's quite different. Do you really find your approaches different in hardcore? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why I'm sort of enjoying the the play style of it. It's it's certainly challenging um, and it is very much trial and error for things that I can and can't do. <laughs> so uh. I'm sort of reloading a fair bit because I'm doing things then thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but uh, certainly I'm, I've picked melee over guns and my choice of followers has been different and as well as my special traits it's been a bit different too so um but certainly good and this time i'm gonna finish the the ending that i didn't finish before so hopefully clean up a few achievements along the way yeah i was gonna say you get some more achievement points yeah do you think um hardcore is confronting to the degree where you, you like you couldn't start off as your first play just for argument's sake if yep i'm gonna it's my first time i'm gonna play vegas i'm gonna play it in hardcore is it is it difficult or just different or is it something that rewards you for having played it before the essentially when you start the game it will tell you are you going to play in uh you know standard or are you going to play in hardcore and it basically says standard is the recommended for your first playthrough mm. just so that you're familiar with with how it is i mean it's similar as it is to fallout 3 it is still uh it's its own game in its own right so I would always recommend playing standard first just so that you can get a feel for what it is you really need to do, what's rewarding and what it isn't. But, um, I mean, look, the game came out uh, more than 18 months ago now and it's only, it's taken me that long to get around to it. So with, uh, what is it, four, four endings? Um, so I'm kind of glad actually that enough time's passed for me to go back and do it and actually get to the, the last of the endings to choose from. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. And you're going to achieve the mm. hardcore. So, yeah. Well, I've been, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. Yeah. I've, I've gone back and actually started playing Rainbow Six Vegas one, the very first one, which is a trip back in time. And I have to say I really, really, really love the cover mechanic. Um, I love how I, mean, I, I tend to talk about viscosity. It is a very, it's a much slower game, um, and I just love the movement. And it just reminded me so much. I remember it came out around about the same time as Gears of War One, and snapping into cover, etc. And the things that you do um, was very much discussed. They were both built in in the Unreal Engine and. People tended to compare them, I think, but uh, there was some good discussion about them both being quite good, and I agree. Uh, they, they play a little bit differently, and they use a very similar cover mechanic, but uh, I think that's what really sold me on a cover. More than Gears of War 1, 
Um, I really enjoyed Rainbow Six, and I'm enjoying it the, the second time through. I also need to finish it on my own to uh, just sort of play it through and get started on the second one because I never never touched it. I played, I think, one level, and that was it. I never played any of those games. <laughs> They're not as brutal as um, some of the older, like Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six games that were super tactical. Um I never played any of them either. <laughs> You're too busy playing Final Fantasy. I think I, oh, <laughs> I think I was too busy playing World of Warcraft. Fuck, I don't regret those days. <laughs> and you came out and lived to tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, as if I'd missed the fucking five years. <laughs> Jesus. Might as well have woken up out of a coma. Did you ma- did you make lots of friends? Uh, no. Oh. I made one friend who I don't talk to anymore. Oh, that's oh. that count. They're probably too busy playing World of Warcraft than talking yeah. to you. I mean, I'm friends with people who play World of Warcraft, and funnily enough, I never fucking played World of Warcraft with them because they're on different servers. Wow. If I'd have gone to their servers, this is a fucked conversation. <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> no, if I'd have gone to the servers that these people were on, I'd probably, um, I probably would have ended up Never starting drop out of gaming. <laughs> Not to be too harsh to WoW players, I'm sure there are plenty that uh, aren't addicted to it. I, oh, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. But, you know, I missed a lot of stuff because I was playing World of Warcraft. Crazy. Well, it in the uh, with the lack of a whole bunch of new games coming out, because I guess they're coming out later in the year, we sort of had that big, um, a, a bit of a swirl in March. And now it's gone back uh, to being a little bit quiet. We've had a few things happening in the world. So there's a bit of gaming news, Matt. Mm. <laughs> if you want to go through that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got, got a few bits and pieces. Actually, before we go on, yes. just because I like the sound of my voice. Hell yeah. I, um, one of the – well, fuck it. I'll tie it into the news. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid HD – for the, the HD collection for the Vita has uh, had a, a release date set for June. Well, a vague June release date because they don't fucking know the exact day. <laughs> but um, the the Vita version actually doesn't come with the PSP. Uh, what was it? The, the HD collection on the Xbox and the PS3 came with Peace Walker, I think. Is that what it's called? There is a Peace Walker. I don't know whether that's what it came with because I'm not very familiar yeah. with it. Sorry. It was a PSP game redone for the for the consoles and the Vita version doesn't come with that. It just comes with Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 because of some kind of uh, rights issue with the first Metal Gear Solid, I guess. But um, as such, I decided that because um, I'll, I'll be getting the review copy f- for that one but I haven't played any of the Metal Gear Solid games in the past, so I thought I'd have a bit of a play of the original because I got it, well, I bought it on uh, as a PS1 classic. So have you guys ever played Metal Gear Solid? No, not really. I've seen, I've seen lots of it, but I've never actually sat down to play it myself. I've seen Metal Gear Solid 1 and also Twin Snakes pretty much the whole lot. I've not really played it myself. Uh, bits and pieces of two th- and three. I think four was the one on PlayStation three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole first 
the experience of the first half an hour, I have to say experience because you don't get to play much, really... It's cutscenes. Well, it's mostly loading. It's not even cutscenes. It, it's... <laughs> I just... I don't understand what happened, but it, it may have been because it was the early days of PS3 development and nobody had any idea how to make it go. Maybe that's... Um, either that or it's just commentary on Metal Gear as a whole, but um, I know that there are some really amazing things about all of them, um, some pretty impressive things. So it's its own beast and there's not really anything like it. So Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I hear a lot of people talking about it, so I thought I'd, you know, I missed out on it back in the old days so I thought I'd have a crack and I um so yeah that's what I've been playing a little bit of Metal Gear Solid although I've only done the the um sort of training missions that are a bit of not really the game yet <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. it's all part of it using using my Vita though with remote play because who the fuck wants to play a PS1 classic on an HD television <laughs> yeah whereas if I use if I use remote play with the Vita, it actually looks pretty good. Yeah, because it condenses it down on a nice screen. Yeah, and with the Vita, it has a couple of different um, options for changing the graphical quality. Like with, if you get PSP games that you've downloaded and put them on the Vita, it allows you to do different filtering kind of things to try and improve the graphics for the OLED screen okay. and stuff like that. It, it doesn't quite have that kind of level of customizability with remote play, but um, it, it still makes it look fairly playable. It doesn't look as blocky and fucked as it would on an HD TV. But anyway, yeah, Metal Gear Solid I've been playing and um, yeah, moving on with the news. <laughs> uh, Film Victoria, There's, there was an article saying that... The Victorian, the new Liberal government, are they new? I don't know. The Victorian government? When did you guys vote last? Uh, not recent enough. <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a, a while. Oh, well. Anyway, so they're Liberals, so they're good at um, cutting funding to stuff. <laughs> and one of the things that they're cutting funding to is Film Victoria and their uh, their games investment program, which is basically what has funded a large number of up-and-coming developers in the Melbourne area, such as... Uh, Brawsom's um, Jolly Rover, I think, was one of the ones they got funding for um, through Film Victoria. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit upsetting, a little bit sad. I think um, I think Tin Man Games actually got some funding through them yeah, through it as well. for game books. At yeah. one point, for the game books. And, you know, a few others like that. And we, you know... When I read this article, I thought I was a bit. It was a bit sad to see because it's not like it's already fucking easy for the Aussie developers to get a start, you know. Yes, but I hope, I hope it becomes easier. But at the same time, yeah, very very tough to talk about. I think I think it's coming later on in the episode. We'll have a bit of a chat about Kickstarter. Yeah, and I'm but, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but um, anyway, so later on in that article, uh, it turns out that apparently the Games Development Association of Australia reckoned that Film Victoria have a legislative obligation to support the games sector, so the funding is not being cut after all. I mean, the funding to Film Victoria is being cut, but Film Victoria just have to, you know, do some creative budgeting to try and get more money for the games, so it's a non-issue. So shred that. 
Uh, Quick Flix has been announced for the Xbox 360, which has been on the PS3 for since uh, December, I think it got started. And it's basically like a poor man's Netflix at this point. <laughs> Only because it hasn't been around for that long and they're still building up their digital library. But, um, you know, day one adopters on the Xbox are going to have a better selection to choose from than day one adopters on the PS3 had. Because you get all the ones that we've fucking... They've added in the last five months. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I've I've got... Quick flicks on my PS3. I probably don't use it that often, but um, it's handy to have there. Everyone's always complaining that there's no Netflix in Australia. Well, you know, I think we've got bigger things to worry about than that, like fucking overpriced video games. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, Quick Flix is a good start and it's coming to the Xbox, which is good as well for all the. Geez, there's a lot of options. They've got Zoom Marketplace and, yeah, all sorts of other things. Yeah, well, so. it adds on to the, the large amount of... I mean, there's there's digital streaming stuff on both the PS3 and the Xbox, but this is just another one for the Xbox. Um, it also has not only movies but TV shows as well. It's got, uh, last I checked, season. there was a bunch of season ones of stuff like Sex and the City, True Blood... Uh, season one and two of Flight of the Concords, a few bits and pieces like that. The Sopranos, mm. a, a lot of HBO shows. So nice. Yeah, and they'll be adding more series as they go along. Uh, I think Entourage was on there as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Um, oh, where next? God of War Ascension, which we mentioned last on the last podcast, mm. I believe. They announced mm-hmm. multiplayer for it. Because a third-person action game that has an awesome single player for the five games prior should have multiplayer <laughs> shoehorned in. Because the single-player game gets people to pick up the game, but the multiplayer game gets them to stay playing it. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. Well, how, how do you play it? Well, I don't know. I, well, I, let I me stop, tell you. Really, because I stop myself and, and go, um, what if it's like Power Stone? And what if that's actually really awesome? Well, I have faith in them for this purely because they have a fucking lot of money to pump into this, which doesn't always mean it will be good, but it's a nice help. And uh, I think Santa Monica and uh, whoever it is that are developing it, I think whatever, um, Santa Monica, <laughs> they they have a good a, a good history of releasing quality games. And uh, I think they're... Because if you look at things like Uncharted 2 where they added on multiplayer and everyone was like, oh, you don't need multiplayer on that and even Mass Effect 3. And it turns out that both of them have worked out to actually be fairly decent multiplayer modes. Mm. So, um, you know, the, the Santa Monica guys have apparently been working with the Naughty Dog people, not working with them, but keeping in touch with them to learn all the pitfalls so they don't make the same mistakes. But um, how it's going to work, they've, I, I'm pretty sure they've only shown one mode off so far and it was four versus four. So two teams of four fighting each other as Kratos and, and other, I don't know if they were fighting as Kratos, but a bunch of different characters and all just whipping the shit out of each other. <laughs> and a kind of, it had a kind of mechanic for like area control. Right. So once you gain control of the area, there's a, a titan called the Megaclops, which is a giant Cyclops, for those who couldn't <laughs> figure that one out. 
<laughs> he's in the background, and as you gain control of the area, then you get to kill the boss, and that's how you win. Okay. And so your team of four, basically, this if you if you look up on YouTube, you should be able to find a video of this multiplayer mode being showed off. But it's uh, basically three of the guys use their little chain hooks, like grappling hooks, to grab their their cyclops's eyelids oh, and hold okay. them open. Yeah. And then the fourth one runs up and fucking stabs it square in the eye. <laughs> I have seen that. So yeah. in a way it's a little bit like a game I'm gonna mention that nobody probably knows anything about. Um uh Beautiful Joe oh, Red Hot Rumble? Royal Rumble? Sorry everyone, because that's a that's a niche game I should know the name of and I've just committed a massive crime. But it was sort of like Super <laughs> You've committed a hipster crime. I've committed the hipster crime. It's it's like it was sort of like Super Smash Brothers, but there were event things happening as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously very different, but um, I guess it's yeah, a new well, t- it's a new take on just throwing people in an arena and telling them to bash the shit out of each other. Yeah, well, it remains to be seen how how it works out in the final version, but I'm sure the single player will be enough to garner a fair few sales anyway. But speaking of Super Smash Brothers, <laughs> with uh, with with events running on the background, Sony announced their new exclusive PS3 title, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale, which is Super Smash Brothers for Sony. Absolutely, and about time. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's just Super Smash yeah, Brothers; they're ripping it off." So but it's what? like, for fuck's sake, dude. Yeah, but Call of Duty is just Wolfenstein. Yeah, like who cares? Seriously, if it's a good, if it's a good fun game, I'm, I'm into yeah. it. Go for it. Exactly, and it's got four player co op. Oh, not co op. It's got four players, right? Versus, um, and so I feel like you know, I never, I always wanted Super Smash Brothers on my Nintendo 64, but my mum would never buy it for me. <laughs> and then I stopped playing my Nintendo and got a fucking PS2. <laughs> and uh, so you know. I'm looking forward to this one. They've only announced six characters so far, which are Captain Raddick from Killzone, uh, Rap- Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> nice. Uh, fa- yeah, Fat Princess, um, whatever that fucking... Uh, Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal, the fiery clown head dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, many, how many have I said so far? Fat Princess, fiery clown head dude, Captain Raddick. Rapper the Parappa, the rapper. <laughs> uh, I don't know, whatever. This Can another you say one. that really fast ten times? Parappa the rapper, Parappa the rapper, Parappa the rapper. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, so obviously there's going to be more characters. All your favourites will be there. Um, if you have any favourites, they might be there anyway. <laughs> my my favourites. <laughs> yeah, all your favourite yeah. PS characters. They probably won't have Solid Snake since he was in Super Smash Brothers from Metal Gear Solid. But um, hold on. Kratos. You can play as Kratos. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be a bit silly if Kratos wasn't in it. But uh... Yeah, it'll probably have like Cole from Infamous and fucking Nathan Drake and all of that shit. Yeah. So each of the characters have their own special abilities and the way that it works, from what I can tell, uh, I'm sure there will be more announced at E3 about this, but the way it works is it uses a sort of power bar and uh, where Super Smash Brothers, you win by knocking people out of the arena or something. Well, there, there are, you can actually change the rules as much as you like, but yeah, go on. 
uh, anyway, you don't. That doesn't happen in this. I don't know what the scoring method is, but basically, uh, you build up powers, and there's different levels of powers: one, two, and three. And depending on what you, what power level you're up to, when you do your special move, um, I think level one will kill one person. Level two probably kill two, maybe three people, and then level three kills like a fuck fuckload of three people because uh, it's only four. I'm so sorry, Matt. I, I had just... The first thing I thought of was a horrible PlayStation joke. It was like the person who wins is the person who gets all their updates from their game in time. You know, who gets it the quickest. You know, stacking yeah, updates. Yeah. You know, three hours downloading shit. Sorry. <laughs> I, look, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a PlayStation hater. I have one and I love it, but fuck that. Seriously. Firmware updates, yeah. Well, no, and, no, and the game updates. And, and yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. There's still one and then there's another one. Yeah. Old news. Yeah. Sorry, anyway, sorry, listeners. <laughs> so events in the background, Some of the, each of the levels have a different level design where it's a combination of two games. So, for example, one is Hades from God of War mixed with Patapon. And so Hades is like wet flaying or flailing around in the background and the Patapon guys are like run up and attack him. <laughs> and then... Every now and then, something will happen that affects the players as well. Okay. So you've got this interesting kind of thing going on. For example, uh, one of them has Buzz, the quiz game Buzz. Yeah. Mixed with something else. And midway through the level, it pops up with a PlayStation trivia question. And there's there'll be four podiums for each of the four, one for each of four answers. And whoever's not on the correct podium will obviously get killed after the timer <laughs> for answering the question correctly. So, you know, there's a few interesting little bits and pieces anyway. It'll be worth keeping an eye on, yep, maybe. Yeah. If it's fun, it's fun. You know, that's all that matters. So uh, some uh, one last thing for the Vita. Uh, uh, this little friendly, fun little game called Frobisher Says has been released finally. It was... It, I think uh, there was a few different special editions of the Vita, special editions of the Vita, kind of um, special deals where if you bought a, a certain bundle, you got it for free at launch. And it's finally available for free for everyone now. And it's um, I just mention it because if there's anyone out there with a Vita, it's a pretty interesting little fun little thing. Ashley and I have been playing it. Um, there's no trophies or anything like that. It's just like fun little mini games that use the... Uh, use the capabilities of the Vita. So basically you go in and you say, okay, so we want two players and we want three rounds or something. And then in each round, there'll be like four challenges and it'll be things like where you have to um, basically just use the different features of the Vita to complete the levels, things like shaking it or moving around the camera, you know, pretty dodgy fucking games, but they're a good fun with my girlfriend, so if anyone doesn't like it, you can get fucked. Uh, sounds a bit like WarioWare, which is a good thing. Oh, I love WarioWare. I love all yeah. the Wario stuff. Where it's uh, like just little mini games and shit like that. Yeah. So that's cool. Something different, but not because it's the same as WarioWare. <laughs> well, something else that uh, was launched just recently was the Black Ops 2 site and trailer, I think. Well, the site was probably up for a while, but they released their trailer. And we probably have, you know, a couple of people on either side of the fence here. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kind of interested in it, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. 
Susie, you might as well talk about it because <laughs> you're the fucking dude. Son. <laughs> uh, well, firstly, I've got a bit of sad news there, Matt. I'm not a dude, but, you know, that's okay. You're a dude, bro. I mean, look, I'm really intrigued with the trailer. I'm very keen to see more as to what what the story has uh, has in mind. Now, I guess the premise of it is uh, we see Woods from the first Black Ops speaking as an old man. Now, spoiler or not, uh, he was a very important role uh, to Black Ops uh, two years ago. So seeing him as an old man talking about what this is all about is pretty cool. Still keeping, uh, I guess, um, it's like what they did with, um, I can't even think of his name, from World at War and Black Ops. They brought him back for the two. So it's sort of no real surprises there. Um, But it basically starts out saying that it's in 2025 uh, and he's just talking and it's got flashbacks. You know, it's showing cutscenes as to what what's going to happen. So um, it, there's a lot to interpretation. More or less, it looks like it's going to be quite futuristic. I've probably felt I uh, had thoughts back to Gears of War, to Red Dead Redemption because of the horses, etc. So for me personally, uh, I was very excited when I saw it. Um, and I'll be pretty keen to see what that means. And I suppose at the other token, I'm wondering if the trailer, because to be honest, it it does look futuristic and and fairly sort of probably more space age than it is for, um, you know, the arms race that was the Cold War. I'm probably a bit surprised that they didn't go back to the Cold War type things, but I'm wondering if what he's describing is a man who experienced all that stuff and is sort of thinking about what would happen in that that day and age should that happen rather than it being an actual event. I don't know. It's all a dream. Oh, that's what I was thinking. It's a fucking nightmare. But if I can make a point of something, that it was released on May 1 and that was the worldwide uh, release of the, of the game trailer. So, of course, uh, people on Twitter who were quite happy about it, but there are also people very quick to say, oh, well, you know what, it's Call of Duty and who cares? Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, people need to accept that Call of Duty is probably one of the biggest selling game titles of our generation and just because you don't like it doesn't mean you have to say it looks it looks awful or this or that or whatever else um i made a comment on twitter last week after seeing all the remarks that people have put through saying oh but it's call of duty who cares and i more or less said something along the lines of you know what i like call of duty i like peggle i like fez i I like Red Dead Redemption. Um, I even like silly little games on my phone because you know what? I'm a gamer and and it's a game and I like it. And I don't have to like every game that's out there, but I'm certainly not going to pass judgment on a video that goes for two minutes and decide then and there what is and what isn't shit as far as a game that's, that's being released. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. You know... Fucking I- haters. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I kind of feel, you know, Tim and I have great discussions, uh, you know, around what happens when games like that come out because you've got the diehard fans and you've got people that actually really people, – people who don't like Call of Duty remind me of vegans. They'll fucking tell you. <laughs> You know, it's you don't even need to ask. They'll just tell you they don't like it. Now, I know when I don't like a game after I've played it, but I'm not going to sit there and say I don't like a game that hasn't even been released yet. And in some ways, you know, is it really that cool to hate Call of Duty? Because if that's the case, I feel like I'm back in school again. I'm one of those, you know, intelligent kids that sort of, you know, keeps to themselves and knows the answers, <laughs> and just not part of the cool kids in a way who think, oh, you know. Look, it's it's always a thing amongst people and amongst young people in particular to hate on anything that's popular, um, and it sort of makes you look cool. I think is the idea. Um, <laughs> you can try and get political about it. You can try and, and, and uh, take all sorts of perspectives and some of them are very interesting perspectives to pursue. But there's, you know, it's wrong to assume that the entire um, Call of Duty playing population are all a very vocal particular kind of person because that's simply not true. I mean, I myself, uh, I've enjoyed a couple of Call of Duties and I've really enjoyed Black Ops in particular. Um and you know, I'm someone whose favorite, whose two favorite games of all time are Flower and Journey. You know, and I have a long gaming history, so there is no stereotype for a Call of Duty player. And and even as much as we joke, joke about it, Halo players. You know, and Halo was one of those quintessential games back in the day that that really exposed a lot of online behavior, and and it was quite shocking to a lot of us, to be frank. Um, and I remember a while back when ODST came out and it was sort of the first time Firefight, you know, essentially Halo's Horde mode was around online. So we jumped on that. And, you know, even back then, I think we were quite surprised to be playing games, Firefight rounds with strangers who were quite civil and really nice. So, you know, not all Halo players are, are a certain kind of player either. So I know that, you know, the COD players or COD kids has become a bit a bit of an adjective um, of late and or over the last few years. And it's just not fair anymore. Um, you cannot group everyone together and say that, you know, because of a few fans or the way that certain people behave, that everyone behaves like that. And there's definitely something in those games that some of us see. And I, you know, I don't doubt that we see maybe a little bit more than others. And whether we do or we don't, we're not all foul-mouthed, bad-behaved people. And, you know. I'm pretty foul-mouthed. <laughs> I, I, have, I have done the occasional teabag against someone who has not played the game fairly. Uh, and look, I, I won't, and I won't deny that. Like I, I must say my conduct online probably hasn't been perfect um, and, you know, role model behavior, but, you know, I can kind of excuse that. I'm not the sort of person that jumps into a multiplayer game and just shoots my teammates because, you know, that's what a battlefield player does. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly there have been times where it's it's actually been quite warranted. And it's usually that one person sniping at the back, not contributing, and you finally sneak up to them and you just take them out and you just give them a nice little tea bag just to say, yep, I got you. <laughs> God. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, look. And that's it's been a long time since I've done that. You know, I've, I've sort of I've grown up and matured like a bottle of wine since then. 
Like a fine cheese. <laughs> uh, look, I, I know there are a lot of political discussions at the moment. Um, uh, I don't know whether it was Black Ops exactly. It may have been a Black Ops trailer, but some things about militarization and very, very detailed and interesting discussions have come about because of that. Um, I don't want to start jumping on a political bandwagon, but all I'll say is that you can be a cognizant, intelligent person and you can play Call of Duty and... You know, some of us are very well read and researched about war and some of the cultural aspects and and the the anthropological impacts that it has on on culture and society and history. You know, we're not all ignorant, slobbering gorillas playing you know murder simulators. That was a lovely term. That when was that? That was that was that lawyer dude in the states, Jack Thompson. Didn't wasn't murder simulators one of his favourite terms? Yeah, it's yeah. a term that comes up every every so often. I think mm. whenever they go to launch another AAA title, someone has to say it's a murder simulator. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, th- th- that's pretty much where I stand on it. And you know, I think that's that's really all I have to say. Wrapping that up, um, a couple <laughs> of other interesting things have happened uh, lately. Um, Actually, Tim, I must I must say it's nice that you sort of sidestepped away from asking Matt if he had any thoughts. Oh, so, Matt, <laughs> Matt, I assumed you'd just pipe up, buddy. Oh no, I like obviously I don't play a lot of Call of Duty games, but um, I'm tempted to just if I can have a crack with Black Ops Two. I mean, I I started playing Black Ops One. I have this thing where when I play a game, I put it on hard, oh. and because I suck at first person shooters. I started playing Black Ops and I put it on hard and I just got fucked up straight away. <laughs> and then I was just like, fuck this. I'm not even interested. But I'll probably give Black Ops 2 a crack. Mm. Why not? Look, they're, on sale. They're, they're very interesting set piece, you know, fast paced, very kinetic kind of play. Uh, you know, in the other direction from your battlefields and, and ghost recons, etc. And good on it. And that's what it is. I'm glad that there are a myriad of different games and they're all different. That's why we played them, for goodness sake. It, it's Susie's taking off some of the things that you've said. Um, people were saying, oh, it just shows how much better, you know, Frostbite is. Yeah, Frostbite is great for what it is. And um, and Battlefield is a wonderful game, and Call of Duty is something else. That's the point, man, for goodness sake. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to play Minesweeper because, you know, fucking Frostbite's better. Thanks, guys. You know, just, that's just such a, a silly thing to say. You know, it's... A di- hey, did you mean Minesweeper or Minecraft? No. Like, are you looking to to uh, stabilise bomb sites or build blocks? <laughs> I don't want to go to work anymore because it's not as good as Frostbite. You know, goodness sakes. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't want to go to work anymore because it's shit. <laughs> but it's not frostbite, Matt. It's not frostbite. Maybe, maybe yeah. if you're oh, like, I fucking nearly got frostbite this morning. It was fucking cold. <laughs> oh come on! You live in Brisbane. How cold could it have been? Cold enough, mate. <laughs> like nineteen degrees. Uh, like seventeen. Oh, oh no! <laughs> it's, it's probably under ten. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's that, reason. That'd be cold. You bring yeah. about six jumpers in Brisbane. It was below uh, ten degrees. I didn't have any fucking jumpers. That's why I nearly got frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think 
one thing that I probably noticed from this trailer, um, my gut feeling with it is that it looks like it's offering something different compared to the previous ones. And I don't know whether that's the the futuristic element. I mean, Modern Warfare was uh, set, I think the third one was set 10 years from now. So um, this is going forward another 10 years. And it's, I mean, even having horses as part of the game, I thought, okay, that's, that's, that's nice. That's interesting. It's different. <laughs> and <laughs> so I think, you know, props to them for actually stepping outside the the warfare side of things and actually taking it in a different direction to try and give it, uh, you know, something else. But it's not going too extreme and silly like, say, battleship, but naval ships against aliens. What? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quality. I, th- I think that might actually be the only game that I can say, yeah, I'm not going to play it and it looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's got its own, its own quirkiness to it, but, yeah, it's not, that's not for me. There we go. So, that's not for you. Very diplomatic mm. answer. Matt, did you want to chime in with anything else at all? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Succinct. <laughs> oh, yeah, sweet. Um, teaser trailers. Ah, oh, fucked. Fuck them. <laughs> they don't really show a lot about the game. It's it's yeah. just a bit bit of bit it's of excitement a, for the fans. So just getting the hype train rolling. Yeah. Well, some it's like flashing. Yeah, a boob. Oh, about <laughs> dead. Just just <laughs> dead island. Need I say more? You know. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> well, something that was Get announced. Earlier this month on the PlayStation blog was that the Unfinished Swan, which was an indie game, um, that was is an indie game or shall be an indie game. Yeah, it was sort of previewed a while back, and uh, the company Giant Sparrow, I guess, was quiet for a little bit. But uh, there's now a new announcement up. Um, their site's sort of live with with dev blogs and and different things going on, and they've launched launched a teaser trailer. I really, uh, I'm really, really. I actually didn't know much about it. I think I'd seen the name once before and and totally skipped it. But Matt um, was telling me about it, and uh, Giant Sparrow are part of what I've learnt is Sony's incubation program that uh, they they kicked off with that game company. It's a three game deal where they will fund and work with Santa Monica Studios. Ha ha. Our favourite studio. <laughs> it is becoming our favourite studio, isn't it, Matt? Man, they're just fucking a powerhouse, mate. Yeah, they really are. Um, so Santa Monica will will champion Giant Sparrow and uh, help them out developing this game. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Matt? Because it's it sounds like a very different game. Ah, oh, well, it's um, it is the the reason that I was telling you about it is because obviously with your interest in the, the games that that game company released. You know, you you obviously like this kind of weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. So, wow, man, where do we begin? So, it's basically it begins as a white space. This is this is from what I can tell so far. It begins you're playing in a white space, and as you uh, want to kind of navigate the the universe, which is white, you throw blobs of paint. And wherever the paint lands, it reveals the landscape of that area. 
where, where the paint is splattered, so it might land on a tree or a footpath or a you know staircase or something, and then you know, oh yeah, got to go up that way, or I can go that way, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's it's a bit hard to describe. I kind of feel like pulling my old trick of saying, uh, pause the podcast, and <laughs> and watch the little video yes. for it, because that's a pretty good start. Um. So I'll chuck that in the show notes anyway if anyone wants to pause and watch the video. It's it's a game centered I think around playful discovery is the best way I'd summarize it. Yeah. Um, and it it is a high concept game like that game company's games and this incubation program seems to be a really really great thing that Sony is doing for all of their questionable decisions in almost every other way and sorry matt i don't want to it's i'm not hating on them but um, no, it's a fair, fair cop yeah but uh but they do some crazy shit over there in in <laughs> sony land um but I, the incubation program seems to be this wonderful frontier of game design that isn't well I don't want to say isn't happening everywhere else. It's it's interesting because we we're talking about funding earlier and we we're talking about Film Victoria um the Film Victoria's game funding being pulled. Uh now one of the things obviously that's been that's sprung up over the last few years is Kickstarter and we we probably all familiar with Tim Schafer's 3 million dollars and the 1 million dollars that he made in the first 24 hours. Mm. Um or that was pledged to him. There, you know, of late, I don't know, there may be a little bit of fatigue with Kickstarter. I'm, I'm certainly a little bit wary of um, of everybody running headforth into into Kickstarter and sort of asking people to believe in them. But then I guess it's crowdsourcing is a very interesting thing. If you can convince people and they believe in it, then maybe you do deserve the money and maybe your, your game will be great. But the incubation program seems to be this middle ground where you actually get access to a really great studio and resources. And if that game comes... A platform, really. A a platform to present your game to the world because, you know, if you work with Sony Santa Monica, you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to have front page space on the PlayStation blog Mm. worldwide. And that has a fuckload of people visiting it every day. And you're developing for a very powerful piece of hardware. Who knows, in the future, they may add Vita, and I hope that there are some good games that come out of that. But that's a really interesting element of funding. But, Susie, you've um, you've pledged to a few Kickstarters, though? I have. I have, yes. Uh, And they've all actually been successful with their funding, so that's been pretty exciting. Um, I... Pledged for Starlight Inception, which Matt did discuss. Did you discuss it on the podcast or after I, the podcast? I can't. I think <laughs> after the podcast, I posted on Facebook about it. Yeah, gaming Facebook. That's right. It was on. It was on the Facebook page. So I had a look at it and thought, "Gee, that looks pretty cool." So I've pledged they, some money. They kind of pitched that as like a um, uh, a modern day Tie Fighter. Yeah, versus Tie Fighter kind of game without the Star Wars theme. Mm, yeah, so um, I um, I pledged for that. Uh, I pledged for Leisure Suit Larry because <laughs> <laughs> that just looked ridiculous, um, and that was getting a bit of a reboot. So that should be interesting to see how it looks uh, in this day and age. Uh, and the other one that I actually um, 
pledged was uh, uh, The Dead Linger by Sandswept Studios. So, uh, yes, another zombie game, but um, it actually looked um, it looked interesting. So, um, yeah, they were all done actually. They all closed within the matter of days with each other. So I'm a little bit... Um, Poor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, it was actually pretty cool that I got an email because when I when I pledge Kickstarter projects, you know, I don't I don't give them five dollars. I actually pay anywhere from say fifteen to thirty. Um, it's which is you know I, I think that's a fairly decent contribution. Um, it gives me a free copy of the game. Um, but one of the perks that I did get um, was actually having I got an email afterwards actually asking how I wanted my name to appear in the game credits. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Susie so. at Drop Bay Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> For a good time, call Susie on. <laughs> Matt, have you have you have you pledged to Kickstarter at all? Uh, yeah, I um, I pledged for a couple of things. I got a bit carried away with it, to be honest. <laughs> I, can you fucking believe that I would get carried away with something that cost me fucking money? No. <laughs> um, so I actually pulled a pledge on something. I pledged on something and then pulled out because I realised I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I um. <laughs> So first of all, someone let me just find the name of this person because they deserve to get mentioned since they brought this game to my attention. One of our faithful viewers slash listeners slash readers slash whatevers wrote on Facebook, man, it sure would be good if I had a fucking any idea where this post was. <laughs> Bear with me. So the game's called Necro anyway. And uh, that's that was the second one. The first one, obviously, was that Starlight Inception that I um I, I pledged fifteen bucks for that bad boy, and I honestly didn't think they were going to make it because they had about what four, five hours left or something, and they still needed fucking like over thirty grand out of their hundred and fifty grand that they needed, but they made it, which is lovely. Um, but Necro is, from what I could tell. Uh, from what I can remember, because I'm pretty fucking poor at mem- remembering things, uh, it, it looked like a kind of RTS or a not a, a mixture maybe between an RTS and an action adventure, or maybe just an action adventure. And I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, here we go. Simon Harwood told me about that uh, Necro, so I, I pledged 15 bucks for that as well. So that's my pledging, 15 bucks each. And then there was a <laughs> – wow, this is pretty embarrassing. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, it was oh, the Pebble e-paper watch <laughs> for iPhone and Android, right? So it's like a watch, with it, but it's got a, a digital OLED screen instead of a, um, a watch face. And you can load apps onto it. Okay. For, for different various things. And I thought, that's a fucking cool idea. But it had already been, it's still got nine days to go, but, and it had already reached its goal. So its goal was $100,000, and it currently has $9.8 million Jeez. pledged. Jeez. Wow. So I think that might be a, a record, because it sure has fucking blown Old Matey out of the water. Yeah. Tim Schafer. So, I mean, I guess people are pretty keen on this because the lowest pledge 
that will get a reward is $99. I okay. know oh, that's the first, there was 200 of them for the first early bird 200 backers. The next one's 115 bucks and it basically gets you one of the watches. Wow. So so basically $9.8 million has been raised. 39,700 people pledged $115 or more. Wow. And um yeah, so there's there's some I don't know. I have to say though, um I'm sort of keen. I pulled out on pledging that though for that though because I was like it's already got the money and if I want one I can probably buy one later. Yeah. Um sorry, was it is it Starlight Express that you both pledged to? Uh, Starlight, Starlight Inception. Inception. Starlight Inception, Starlight Express. Yeah, wow, we're going back, way back. Um <laughs> just just thinking about Leisure Shoot Larry and a lot of these um Nostalgia kicks that <laughs> kicks that are that are coming up on on Kickstarter. Um, I sort of think I I prefer something like Starlight Inception, where it's more of a new thing rather than actually rebooting something old. I don't know how much value the nostalgia kick sort of has when these games come out. I don't know. Are you going to get a warm feeling of oh yeah, let's just shoot Larry, and then uh, yeah, it, it's sort of dated a little bit, or is it going to be totally new? What what do you think is going to happen in twelve to eighteen months' time, two years' time, when these things come out? I think it's going to still have. Uh, I think it should still have the look of the old one, um, but. Um, Obviously, it's not still going to look the same. So um, I'm hoping it's going to – actually, you know what? I hope it's going to be like the rebooted Beavis and Butthead where things are still very much the same but keeping up with modern culture and it's still just as good as it was 15 years ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing about video games where like as long as the um, the gameplay mechanics can hold out to the test of time, you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm not too. Just recently, in, in a few discussions, I've been talking about how much of a modernist I am because I enjoy. You know, I, I'm loving the modern culture of of game development that's brought us things like Flower and Journey. But by the same token, uh, playing Silent Hill again and, and continuing to play that through, um, I, I've really, really enjoyed it, and it's compelled me exactly the same way that it did when I first played it on PlayStation years ago. So I don't know. I'm a bit weird like that. Um, I have dug out the GameCube and tried a few old games and yeah not been as impressed and enamored with them as I was and I sort of felt yeah maybe I should have left that one alone (laughs) (laughs) yeah you do get that a little bit so I guess we'll see what happens but Kickstarter you know seems to be a very interesting way of of funding Um, I certainly wish all the projects the best I think uh, Tim Schafer's got a bit of a tall order in front of him at the moment, but uh, expectations pretty yeah. high. I mean, if you if you put up a project on Kickstarter and it completely blows your kind of goal out of the water like that did for uh, Double Fine, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on the developer, I, I kind of feel like. Because if you say, oh, yeah, I'm happy to create this game <clears throat> with... Uh, what was it, $400,000 they put up for their goal? I think so, something in that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And then you get nearly 10 times more than that. Does that mean that you're going to do a game that's 10 times better than you originally planned or, or what? You know, because the thing with Kickstarter, for I know for companies based in America at least, 
Amazon and Kickstarter each take because Amazon, all the funding goes through Amazon, mm. Amazon's payment system. So I think it's three or five percent go to each of them. So immediately you you lose six to ten percent of your your money there, and then of all the money going to you, like almost half of it has to go to tax as well Ooh. because of the the U.S. taxation system. Hmm, interesting. Because I don't know how it would be because it counts as investors, right? Right. So I don't know how it would work with the Australian um, taxation system, but I know because a podcast that I listened to actually ran a Kickstarter before all this Kickstarter bullshit went out of <laughs> – got blown out of proportion and they, they raised 40 grand and they said, um, you know, we want to use some of it to to do video like skits and stuff like that, but they didn't want to – spend money on equipment until they'd had gone through all the accounting of sorting out the taxation and everything and sending out rewards and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's an interesting one, I think, because traditionally the the, the age-old publishing um, method is uh, or, or, or philosophy is that, yeah, private investors um, bank your project and then you have to spend a lot of time convincing people to catch on to your vision and to buy it afterwards. They have the luxury of trying before they buy, whatever, demos, seeing their friends, etc. Kickstarter is all about getting your fans to commit to your ideas before you start making it. In some ways, I think in T- Tim Shaver's case, for example, you know, you should know the kind of game he's going to make. So, you know, hopefully you believe in his vision and hopefully he lives up to it. And I think the expectation's a little bit different. You're right, sometimes there's heaps of pressure and I think some of that pressure is justified. Um, you should always want to make a great game. And maybe now the pressure has changed where it's not about pleasing the investors, it's about pleasing the people whose heart and souls are, you know, are, are invested in your games and who just love what you do. So I'm very interested to see what happens with Kickstarter over the next five years if it, if it becomes a viable source of, um, of funding because I guess you get to be involved right from the get-go, you know. You get to decide whether this is an idea you're going to buy into or not. And obviously, um, now more than ever, we track the development of games, you know, to a degree that we we have never really have before. I guess we always did, but there's more and more information. You know what I mean? Well, that's one thing that um, that Tim Schafer said he was going to use a chunk of the extra money for was to create a documentary mm. of the creation of the game, following every every step of the way, kind of thing. So, you know. Yes. Depend, depends how he's planning on doing that but it it's a pretty interesting concept to be able to witness the creative process for a, a game from start to you know launch day we'll see what sort of precedent it sets for, for people's expectations for Kickstarter projects so listeners you should uh, come to our site at dropbeargaming.com and tell us what you think about Kickstarter <laughs> good idea I must, you know, just quietly, I would really like to see a Kickstarter for a X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter reboot. I know it's probably never going to happen, but I just, uh, I could die very happy seeing that as an Xbox Live Arcade title in the I'm near having, future. Uh, I'm having some flashbacks of Deja Vu. 
Do LucasArts really need money, though? Is it about convincing them it'll sell? Is is that what the Kickstarter would be? Sort of, all right, everyone commit to buying it, and if you do, then we'll make it. <laughs> I don't think LucasArts give a fuck. <laughs> no, probably not. They're probably, their arms are too sore to develop and program after playing <laughs> Star Wars Connect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. So speaking of, coming, speaking of our listeners and coming to the site, etc., um, Matt, we've got a few questions. Oh, we got two questions. Two, one, two. That's a uh, couple, not a few. Sorry, yeah, I, a couple of questions. Uh, just, uh, I, I posted on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash gaming. For those of you who haven't clicked like, just, you know, go do it. Although you probably all have. Uh, all one of you. <laughs> no, um, so first question was my smart-ass girlfriend, Ashley, saying, what's Mortal Kombat like on the Vita? <laughs> because I ordered it and it fucking hasn't arrived yet. Sounds good. Oh, great. Great. So hopefully next time I'll be able to talk about that. We postponed this episode we were going to record last night, which is when I um, put these questions, I put the call out for questions and uh, I was hoping it would arrive today and it still hasn't arrived. Mm. So how about go fuck yourself, Australia Post. <laughs> Oh. Well, you know, I'm an entitled gamer, okay? <laughs> uh, I will not stand for a three-day wait. Start a petition. Um, it should oh. be in two days. <laughs> and, and the second question. Uh, second question. Uh, Reese Crofts said, is the Vita actually usable on Vodafone? So he's referring to the 3G capabilities of the Vita, clearly. Uh, well, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Like if you live in an area that has reception, then it will it works. But being with Vodafone, you know, there's a pretty fair chance you probably don't live somewhere with decent fucking reception. Yeah, they, but, they um, probably have great reception on the moon. I think that's where well, they're putting all their resources. I I get pretty good reception on it most of the time at home and at work. So I'm I'm kind of being a bit of a dick here, a bit facetious, I guess, for no reason. Um, <laughs> But no, it's it works well enough. I mean, you can't play any games online using 3G anyway. There's um, asynchronous multiplayer stuff where you know it it, it uses 3G to upload your um, times and stuff like that, to, and scores to leaderboards and things like that. Yeah. But um, the near functionality, which is the uh, the location based application for sharing items from in game and stuff like that. Yep. That works pretty well on 3G by pretty well I mean it works 90% of the time <laughs> and uh, and I get you know I can send messages and friend requests and all that kind of stuff so that's cool does it have Twitter apps and all that sort of thing Facebook yeah it, it, uh, I use it I actually one thing it did come in handy for was uh, a couple of weeks ago I had to work until I had to stay back at work for an extra six hours or something I was there until 11 o'clock at night and by that time, because I have a smartphone, it it really smartly died. The battery died. And so I couldn't call Ashley to say, hey, I'm not going to be home for dinner. So I grabbed out my Vita and logged on to Facebook and sent her a message on Facebook. So that's handy. Awesome. Yeah. And the browser is passable. 
it, it works unless you want to look at something that's got any level of interaction. <laughs> uh, I think, to be fair, I think a lot of um, yeah, phone browsers aren't really that sophisticated. There, there are a lot of. I, I think it, it's a little bit of an internet thing at the moment. Websites aren't exactly tailored to uh, to mobile devices, but I'm sure that uh, that is the winds of, of change are definitely blowing because of the absolute saturation of smartphones in the market. So, mm. Well, Dropbear Gaming website works on the Vita perfectly. You should all try it out. <laughs> all of you Vita yeah. owners. Crickets. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, it, yeah, the 3G, I mean, yeah, whatever. If you can afford the extra 50 bucks and then the the plan. Actually, one thing I might mention is that uh, Vodafone, they do prepaid and plans as well, postpaid plans. Mm. Uh, And the plans go, I think they start at two gig a month and then go up from there. I've been using it pretty extensively and I've pretty much only used like 150 meg a month. So... Don't pay extra to get a fucking bigger cap like I did. Because <laughs> you can't download any games over 3G. You have to connect to Wi-Fi for that. Uh. So, like if you buy games on the PSN, you can't mm-hmm. download them through 3G, which is a bit disappointing. But, uh, and I don't, you can't use remote play through 3G, obviously, either. So it doesn't support um, HSDPA, like high-speed... No. No. Yeah. Although, you know, in the in the years to come there'll be another SKU of the Vita that'll be a four G version, which may work. Because four G's coming around these days. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time until a four G PS Vita comes out. Oh. Phone interference? Vita interference. Ah, that's the oh. Vita. Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, well. Anyway, so that's that. Um, I kind of feel like we skipped over Unfinished Swan pretty quickly, but we don't really have that much to talk about it, I guess. Uh, look, it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm very keen on the incubation program. So, um, One of the interesting things that I heard about the Unfinished Swan was the fact that um, when, you can, when you get to an end of a level, you can, like if you've been climbing up a set of stairs or up a mountain or something, and you turn around and you can look back over the path that you've followed. Oh, wow. And so there was something interesting that they said about how you can see what kind of gamer the person who played it is. For example, if the path is um, sort of fairly straight with just quick blotches thrown here and there, you, it's kind of like it's a, a first-person shooter kind of player okay. who just wants to get from A to B and get, get to the objective. And then you get the explorative kind of player who who likes to make sure they see everything. And so there's paint splotches fucking everywhere yeah. to make sure that they don't miss anything. So I that's kind of interesting. <laughs> That'll be me as well. But that's I think that's a pretty interesting concept to... um. To kind of show the different types of gamers. 
yeah. playing the game? Uh, you know, not that I'm going to jump on any kind of anti-violence, you know, rant at all. But uh, yeah, I'm just loving that there are non-combative games and uh, yeah. non non-murder simulators. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's just great, and uh, I love that we're getting into some of these concepts. And you know, it's just part of the wonderful breadth of gaming, and so is Call of Duty and uh, and mobile gaming. Um, just recently, you know, some of the thoughts I've had is that I, uh, for whatever else it's done and whatever else you want to say about the market, you know, iOS has been great for showing games to so many people who never would have mm. considered themselves as gamers or wouldn't were never interested in games. So I think it's, you know, we're, we're getting to an age now where we're well and truly established as as a wonderful part of modern life, of digital life. And um, and it's it's really being reflected in the types of games that we make. They're not all about shooting anymore. They're not all about, you know, concrete objectives or about, you know, solving murders or, or saving the world. And it's great. There's there's never been a better time to, uh, to get into games, I reckon. And that's mm. a nice way for us to sign off. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Video games. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, cool, they're cool and shit. Oh, here's one. What? Bioshock Infinite has just been announced as being delayed until February 2013. Right. When was it originally coming out? I don't know. <laughs> this year, obviously. This oh, Probably this year, yeah. yeah. Disappointing for all you Bioshock fans out there. Ah, I don't know. These days, if someone delays a game, I think it's a good thing. They want to fix it up. They want to make it better. You know, it'll come out. You'll play it on the first day and then whinge about it on Twitter before others have Duke even Nukem gone forever. to the shop and gotten it. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Duke Nukem Forever. Well, there is that. <laughs> Fez? Yeah. Fez took a, uh, had a pretty long development to be, time. To be fair to Fez, I think it was always consistently and constantly... Um, you know, there were updates for it and it never really disappeared. So, yeah. I reckon yeah. that was cool. Mm. Anyway, thank you all mm. for listening. Make sure you check out the Unfinished Swan video. Yeah, check out the uh, the Black Ops 2 trailer if you haven't. Uh, buy a Vita. <laughs> and, and be kind. And be kind. <laughs> yeah, be, uh, good, be good to yourself and one another or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I want to put a call out here. Um, if you have Steam, add me. Um, I think my details are on the site. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you have a, you know, PS3, add me, because my friends list is filling up with random people that have seen me on near on my Vita. I don't really play any games with them. They're just there. So, um, you know, if you want to be cool and add me, I'm pretty lonely. Now, that is cool. Hating on Call of Duty isn't adding that to Steam, Vita, PSN. Don't add him on Xbox because he's not on there. I will be eventually. Actually, before we go... I know I want to. I mentioned before we started recording that I want to talk about E3 predictions next week, but um, you know, in the vein of my sudden uh, allowance of games that don't normally fucking interest me, like Black Ops, into my life, um, the Wii U. Right. I'm kind of. I'm kind of getting a, a bit of a. 
don't know. A healthy interest in seeing what Nintendo can do. Oh. You're getting tinglings, eh? Yeah, I kind of feel like they have potential here because I heard a rumor that they've been in talks with Valve. Really? So, But then again, Valve probably talked to everyone. <laughs> but if Nintendo were to be the first one to include Steam on their console, like as in not like PS3 has Steam for Portal cross-platform play, I mean like uh, a microtransaction video game store like Steam. I feel like that could fucking mm, Valve will, dominate. Valve will have some very, very particular hardware requirements if that happens. Yeah, exactly. That, that is all but I'll say. It, you'd think it would be in Nintendo's interests to be able to pro- provide a platform like that for them. At the moment, Nintendo are at risk of... Um, yeah, they're, they're at risk of losing a lot of... Um, market share I believe in the West I, I, I'm i not a Nintendo hater at all I have a Wii um, I just think there are things happening in the entire yeah. world of gaming that Nintendo really need to wake up to and take note of that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying yeah, I ab- think absolutely. the Wii U has a lot of potential for Nintendo they could come out you, you know because Xbox have what the 720 with built in connect whatever it's going to fucking be mm. and the PS the Orbis you know, unless they do something ridiculously out outside of the box, uh, I feel like Nintendo have a great opportunity here to just fucking take the whole market share and dominate, mm. like days of old. Yeah, yeah. But then again, it all comes down to if they have decent management and ideas, people, and they're willing to take risks and blah blah, blah which they probably aren't. But you know. Just wanted to throw it out there that I'm not. I did say last in the last episode that fucking whingy Nintendo fanboys are fucked. And I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I just want to clarify that I think that Nintendo aren't that bad. I just don't have any of their fucking shit. <laughs> this may be. But your I have first. faith that they can make something decent. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, come to the site, check us out, check out Giant Sparrow. <laughs> GiantSparrow.com is their site. Um, and follow them on Twitter because they've got fuck all people following them. Yeah, let's drum that up. So definitely. Drum definitely. up. Tell them, tell them Drop Bear Gaming sent you. <laughs> <laughs> and tell yeah. them to fucking email us so we can interview them. <laughs> oh. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to getting an interview with someone from uh, Santa Monica Studio on this fucking podcast. So keep your eyes and ears, well, mostly your ears, peeled back, ready to fucking hear that shit. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. See ya.